We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you don't know this, and this, obviously we're bringing this up way late um, in the podcast, but if you don't, if you haven't been paying attention, the 49ers have they actually made three fairly intriguing free agent signings. You know, and, and you always hear people talk about this. You know, the bargain part of free agency when you can get good players for probably at a discount because all the other ones that were deemed more valuable have been swooped up at like surplus prices. You know, probably paying more than they should. Well, the 49 in the past week, the 49ers have signed former New York Giants running back Wayne Gallman, who I have a high opinion of. They've signed former Raiders pass rusher Arden Key. And then they signed, just today, signed former Raiders defensive lineman Mo Hurst. And didn't he play for another team, too? He wasn't uh, somewhere before the Raiders. No, it just no, started there? He was drafted. Yeah, no, yeah, he was drafted by the Raiders. Okay. Remember, he, I so, think he kind of slipped because of some kind of like heart heart thing or something. Right, kind of that was it. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. You're right. Um, now I don't know, Croc, which one you want to talk about first? Well, I think Arden Key because that was the one where I saw a lot of people kind of posting videos like Arden Key, and I'm like, uh, he's kind of sorry. <laughs> like, well, it's like, hey, a, a pass rusher like hit the open market, and it took him a month to get signed, like. Yeah, he, he, there's a reason for that. Yeah, I think he saw. I saw he had like three career sacks. Like, 
I didn't, I didn't look at that signing as anything that moved the needle. You know, like, he wouldn't be, like, say if the 49ers were interested in getting the edge in the draft, like, high, like, hey, we want to prioritize getting an edge rusher. He wouldn't be the reason why I don't do it. No, absolutely not. That would be irresponsible. Arden Key is, is solid depth. He's a guy that you can put out there to rush the passer that at least has a solid resume of NFL experience. And it's not even good NFL experience. It's okay. You know, like maybe he's made some plays, but you out there long enough, most people will make a play. But so, I mean, he's just a guy that could come in and, and know what he's doing. And given what the 49ers have been through with injuries, it makes sense to have a guy like that. Samson Ebukam is a little more of a, uh, obviously by the money they gave him, much more intriguing, has a, a high likelihood of, of outperforming anything he's done in the past because the 49ers are going to give him a bigger role, whereas Arden Key is going to back up Nick Bosa. He's going to back up Samson Ebukam. You know, like that's – he's just good depth. Like to me, it's a signing like Cassius Marsh. Like he's not going to give you anything crazy. He's just a guy that could come in and, and do, thing, do some things. You know, so yeah. – but what about Mo – like I don't, I don't know much about Mo Hurst. Is, is that a guy we can expect to, to make a little bit more of an impact? No, I'm not going to pretend that, you know, like I've watched a lot of film, but I know I've listened to enough things, like, in the past, like, not even talking about right now, to where he was a good football player. Like, he was a good football player. Now, I don't know about his entire time with the Raiders, like, was he good or whatever, and maybe not, maybe that's why they ended up releasing him, but I do know he had some level of success, like, as a rookie. Like, he wasn't, like, and, and again, maybe he did after that as well, but I know specifically just remember listening to a lot of things as when he was a rookie where he was playing well. So, you know, I think him, there, there's a little bit more there. Not saying, like, he really moves the needle, but, you know, in, in the form of, you know, getting a, a, a solid, you know, guy with some pass rush ability from the interior, you know, he's that type of guy. I, I think he – I think that's a good signing in the sense of, you know, well, I already have – you know, I have Kinlaw, you know, um, Givens still with the 49ers, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Kinlaw, Givens. Um, you know, we brought back uh, DJ Jones. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there, there's a good uh, Armstead who can, you know, rush from the interior. I think that that could be, like, a strength of the 49ers. And having Mo Hurst just allows you to have, like, a nice little rotation in, in that area. Right. Yeah. I mean, over through three years, uh, he had a bit of a down year yesterday in the last year. I don't, I don't know if he was dealing with any kind of injuries. Uh, I'd have to look through because it says he, he only he played in 11 games and he only started three. So I, I don't know what happened there. But in three years, he had eight sacks, 76 tackles, uh, eight tackles for loss, 17 quarterback hits. And for an interior guy, those are solid numbers. In, in Not bad. Interior, right. So, that, that I mean, and the 49ers, we already know that their philosophy is to build from, from the inside out, from the trenches backwards. So them having a solid rotation of defensive linemen, that will never be a bad thing, especially ones that have that have come and, and they've shown that they can have an impact. So, and then to me, obviously it's a little sexier because it's on offense as a running back. But I'm pretty excited about Wayne Gallman and seeing what he can do. I, I don't. I, he's kind of one of those guys that I assume like it goes both ways. Like I could assume that he could get cut in training camp, and it wouldn't be weird. But I could also see him like legitimately competing with Raheem Mostert for touches. Like, yeah. I could see it going either way. It's just you never really know with the 49ers' backfield. I know I liked him coming out of uh, Clemson. 
when he was in Clemson. I want to say he was part of that team with Deshaun Watson that won the national title. He was kind of like poor man's ETN. But I was like, man, I remember liking him. Like, hey, man, if he's there like third or fourth round, 49ers need to draft him. Now, since he's been in the NFL, I won't pretend like I've watched, you know, every game with him. But he has played a lot because Saquon Barkley has missed a ton of games. And so the Giants played him. And I know I've watched some games where I'm like, okay, Wayne got, you know, I, I know I liked him coming out of Clemson. Like, you know, like, okay, he's nice. But I don't know what type of role he has consistently had, um, you know, at the NFL level. But him coming out, and again, I, you know, I don't want to keep bringing up what he was in college because it's like, dude, there's like years of film on him now. I know he, he was a solid football player. <clears throat> yeah. Well, and he, he stepped in to replace Barkley and was solid. And, and I would never, uh, quote fantasy, you know, obviously fantasy football is not any sort of a, uh, uh, something to lean on when it comes to how someone performed. But I just kept noticing him because he, he, of, of the points he was putting up because he was somebody that I put in a waiver claim for, didn't get him. So I was like, fuck you guys. And I paid attention to just what he was doing from there on out. And when he stepped in for Saquon Barkley, he started 10 games and he probably got quite a bit of carries before he officially stepped in. Um, but he started 10 games. He got 147 carries for 682 yards and six touchdowns, uh, which is solid. That's 4.3 yards of carry in an offense that's not Kyle Shanahan's. So no, offensive line was terrible. Right. Yeah. And, and he runs hard. He runs a lot like Jeff Wilson. So, uh, I mean, at the very least, you know, if one of these guys gets hurt, uh, you know, you're not really losing a whole lot of your identity. None of them are as fast as Raheem. I don't know if anybody in the NFL is as fast as Raheem. But he's a solid, solid running back. And he is a great guy. Him and Jeff Wilson Jr. are are a lot alike in the way they run. And, he, you know, he was decent in the receiving game. He caught 21 passes for 114 yards, which is all right. It's whatever. At least you know you, know you can catch the ball. Um and, and or when he was a rookie, he caught 34 passes for 193 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. So he can do stuff in the pass game. He runs hard as hell. Uh, he'll be great near the goal line if they need him there, even though Jeff Wilson Jr. is as well. And he's just a really, really solid running back to get for what's probably not that far away from like minimum type contracts. So I like I, I like it I really in like the it. sense of um, you know just kind of bringing in some competition for. Not just the third running back spot, but adding some depth in case maybe one of the guys go down, whether it's Jeff Wilson or Raheem Mostert, which we've seen to kind of happen over the last few years. But um, I, I like the fact of, you know, just having him as like a third back, right? And we'll see what happens with Hasty, and maybe he'll, you know, be competing with him for a roster spot. But, you know, Kyle Shanahan has done a really good job kind of identifying running backs that can fit his scheme. And, you know, clearly Gallman has, you know, that type of ability. And if he can kind of be that third back, I feel real comfortable with that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, game day, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, Wayne Gallman. Like, I like that. I like that. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Yeah. I agree. And in, in, the, in speaking of liking that a lot, we've got a little bit of an impromptu guest that I need to bring on stage. This is Chris Biederman of the Candlestick Chronicles. Um, he had an intriguing suggestion in the chat that the 49ers should not draft a quarterback and go Kyle Pitts. Tight end at three. What's up, Beerman? How's it going? I just wanted to come on real quick and shout you guys out for doing an awesome job. I don't have a whole lot to contribute. The, the Pitts thing was a joke. But, uh, yeah, you guys came on last week, so uh, or I guess earlier this week. 
and uh, just want to shout you guys out. So appreciate you guys, and uh, keep up the good work. Hey, hey man. man. I appreciate it, dude. That's love. That's love. Hey, we'll get on and do it again after the draft. Yeah. Um, Kyle and I are going to talk about this. I want to I start a discussion since you have me on, if I can, or just ask you guys a question. What happens if the Jets don't take Zach Wilson? What do you guys think? I think the 49ers do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Zach Wilson to me is every bit as exciting as all the other quarterbacks we're talking about. And he has that weird, that weird throwing ability. You know, like, hey, I'll throw it down here. I'll throw it up here. I'll throw it like this. I'll throw it like that. I'll fall backwards and throw it 40 yards. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I I don't necessarily think that would be a bad thing. Do you? Me? I think he. No, well, so. I wonder if Kyle Shanahan has enough conviction, like if he's already con- has conviction about a dude at three that's not Zach Wilson, if he would just take that guy over Zach Wilson. Because, like, watching Zach Wilson play, I, I completely understand the appeal, but I also understand the case that maybe, like, I could make – I could see the case for teams saying Zach Wilson isn't the second-best quarterback on the board because you're talking – like, he has an injury history um, – it was like a very quick ascension for one year. Like, is he ma- did he max himself out last year? Is there still room to grow? Um, like, I think these are questions, and I know everybody assumes that that Wilson's going to the Jets, and I I think Wilson's going to go end up going to the Jets. But like, the draft is weird, and we don't really know for sure. And all the intel we have about Wilson going to the Jets is just sort of this media conjecture. Um, so I do I I do wonder if there's a chance that the Jets are are eyeing somebody else like Justin Fields or, or maybe even Trey Lance. Like, because I think if the Niners like Trey Lance as much as I think they do, then I think there's a good chance that Jets like Trey Lance as much too. But, like, then you're talking about starting a dude who hasn't played really since 2019, and they're probably not going to do that. But I, I'm, I'm wrapping my head around the Wilson idea just to see, like, you know, see what could potentially happen uh, if, if that were the case, because I'm like, the draft is weird and weird stuff happens. And that to me would, is, is like a plausible weird thing that could happen before, he, he, before you, before you say your thing, Croc, I wanted to ask, hold on, hold on one second. Okay, go ahead. Do you think, do you guys think, and Chris, you can, since you're not hanging out, I'll, I'll let you answer it. Do you guys think that Robert Sala and, or LaFleur would just straight up, would they tell the, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, what they're doing, or are those kind of friendships kind of a not a friendship per se, but is, is that kind of relationship immediately severed? How I mean, how how much of a solid do you think they would do them? I think if if Robert Sala were to tell Kyle Shanahan who they're drafting, it would be like twenty minutes before the draft starts. Okay. Something because I mean, there's no point. Like there, there's nothing to gain, really, right? Because like Kyle Shanahan's not going to tell them who they're taking. <laughs> yeah, you, Kyle you know Shanahan I mean? doesn't seem like he would. So yeah, like I, I, I get that the friendships there, but these dudes are still competitors. Like it's, it's an unwritten thing, right? Yeah. Right. But what were you going to say, Croc? Um, I was going to say, I, I, I thought it was a cool thing that he kind of brought up, like, you know. Kyle Shanahan, if if Kyle and you know uh, you know the staff at with the Jets kind of see things the same with quarterbacks, if that's the case, why don't we hear any buzz about Mac Jones possibly going to right? Like how, how come we don't hear like if if Mac Jones is such a great fit and this amazing fit for this scheme and this offense and he sees the field so well and he's so brilliant, why don't we hear any buzz about him potentially being the guy at two? It's a great question. 
Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, if the Niners were going to – if they were so focused on getting Mac Jones, couldn't they just have traded down to six instead of three and still probably got him? Well, this is my thing, my response to that. I don't know if he would have asked to six, but I know one thing, like, I feel like that's more of the value of which he's worth. So, like, if right. – say if I say if I trade up to, to pick six and, you know, and it's like I would feel comfortable with getting, you know, a, a couple of guys – I think it, if if he is 100% who you want and you're not sold on anybody else, then I think you do trade up to three to get him if that's 100% the guy that you want. Um, I do think it's, like, bad value. You know, like, me personally, I would have stayed at 12. If Mac Jones is my guy, I'm staying at 12, and I'm seeing if he's there. And if he's not, then I'm taking an elite, talented prospect that falls to me because these quarterbacks have taken so high, and then maybe I'm trading up in the back end of the first round or maybe early second round and grabbing a guy like Davis Mills, who I think possesses some of the same ability and traits, but maybe isn't as far along in his uh, development, maybe even because of the offense that he was in, right? Maybe it wasn't as wide open as what Mac Jones had at Alabama. But when you watch Davis Mills, he gives you some of the same stuff with a higher upside. I think he moves better. I think he's more athletic. I think he has a bigger arm. I think he makes all the throws and everything. His decision-making is probably the only thing that kind of lacks him a little bit, where you could see at moments he kind of just throws these weird bad passes, and we haven't seen that as much from Mac Jones, but it's still enough to where it's like, uh, I think I can coach that part out of him, and I'm getting as much, if not more, upside. So, you know, if, like, this smart quarterback and all that, whatever, is what you want. So I, I would have actually, if Mac Jones is the guy, I would have risked seeing if he fell to 12, because right now, and what people admittedly say on all these TV shows, if Mac Jones is not taking that three, where does he go? How far does he fall? Yeah, I mean, it's got to you got to look at like Denver, right? Because Carolina's probably not going to take him. Maybe, maybe the Eagles trade out. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's a good point. Like, if it is Mac Jones, you really got to love him to move up all the way to three to get him. And to me, that just doesn't make any sense. Now, right. Kyle Shanahan did say at his press conference that they'd already they'd already pinpointed three guys that they loved, and they were open to the the idea that a fourth and fifth could enter the conversation. The only way that Zach Wilson going not going two overall really affects the 49ers in a negative way is if he was never one of those three. And he could have been one of the fourth or the fifth that they would have had to try to fall in love with, maybe never did. And all of a sudden, you know, he, but there's there should still be that third guy there, right? There, there's only two picks in front of him, right? So no matter yeah. what, they've, they've already said that, that they've, they love three guys. I mean, who knows what, what's true and what's not during this time of the year. But if they've already said they love three guys, then that would kind of infer that no matter what happens, they're okay. So I'm going to leave you with this. Um, I don't want to hog up any, any more speaker space. But I think the three guys, if I were to just make an estimated, uh, an educated guess, they would, be, they would be Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance. If I were to just make a guess, but I know that's a controversial opinion. A lot of people think it's Fields. I just don't think it's Fields because of the, the footwork stuff. We'll see, but I'm curious what you guys think, which which three guys it is. And I'm going to bounce. Thanks thanks for having me on. All right, brother. We'll see you soon. Okay, I'll keep listening. All right, man. Um, who do I – okay, so who do I think the three are? Who do I think the three are? I mean, you obviously you have to include Trevor Lawrence because 
when you're evaluating these quarterbacks, you don't ever just not look even look at a guy, especially when you're in, you're going to pick a quarterback. You can't just assume that Trevor Lawrence is out of play. Well, yeah, well, he no. kind of is. Well, you still got to look I at him. I think he, he's been out of play for three years now. So what if he was a guy that was like, we're not even going to look into that because we can't get him. Not saying that they didn't watch any film on him, but maybe he's a guy that they're like, you know what? We're just going to assume, like the rest of the world, that he's going number one overall, which he is. So let's get comfortable with three guys that we feel could possibly be there. And Good point. Out of the, you know what I'm saying? Out of the three guys, that's three guys not including Trevor Lawrence. That is a good point because it's always been just assumed that Trevor Lawrence is a part of that group because he's the best quarterback in the draft. And I, like I was saying, I do feel like they would have included him in that because you never know how it shakes out. But if they did just write him off, knowing that he was going to go number one, but at the same time, again, he did say that we'd be open to four and five, and there's kind of five quarterbacks that are all considered like that caliber. You know, there's there's the five we all know about. So – it, it infers that he, you know, that the the first two picks are part of that. Now it could be like a Brian Drew thing from draft day, where he doesn't, you know, he doesn't get the the twenty dollar bill on the back of the playbook, and he lies, and his character's horrible, and nobody goes to his birthday, and that ends up being Trevor Lawrence because he doesn't care about football, he doesn't need it to, um, you know, his existence isn't dependent on the game, and he falls to the 49ers. And That's they a whole feel like conversation too. I think uh, has to kind of be discussed to some extent because I think the media is spinning it as if is oh, it's so refreshing to hear this mindset <laughs> and like and it's like what like I'm about to spend millions and millions of dollars on this dude. I want to know that football like, and I'm not saying football has to be the only thing in your life, but this. Like this and being successful here has to matter more than anything else. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, and that's not to say like it has to define you, but it just has to matter more than like, like Tom Brady. I'm pretty sure football does not define Tom Brady, but he understands like this is my, like, this, this is my, my main focus more so than anything else. I'm so focused in, in being a maniac on being the best football player ever. I really think that drives him. But that still doesn't mean that that defines him. I think, you know, he looks to be a great family man and husband and all those things. Takes time away every year to go on vacation with his family. But at the end of the day, I feel like football has to matter most. And it was really crazy. I tweeted something out about, like, the comments. And everybody was like, well, who cares about his comments? Like, he says that, you know, football isn't his only focus. That's not the thing I was worried about. It was his coach and his dad, what they said. And was like, oh yeah, he's not a guy that's gonna like care if he wins a championship or not. Like what? <laughs> like that was just not like that's that's crazy. Like to not really care. Oh, you know, he's not gonna care one way or the other. Like that's what they said. Like he's that type of guy. So I really thought that was kind of weird and strange, especially for a team like you're gonna take him number one overall. And if things start to not go so well, and you know because you've been at Clemson and you've been beating down that ACC every year, like how? How is he going to react to the adversity? Is he not going to care? Because, well, you know, I mean, I, I like playing football because I'm good at it, but, you know, and I'll be the best until I don't feel like being the best anymore. You know what I'm saying? Right. So get back to Chris's question. If the 49ers were already sold on three guys, and you can you can take your your, your thought process, obviously, where they wouldn't have been bothered, including Trevor Lawrence in that, Trevor Lawrence in that who are the three that you think it is? I would say – 
Zach Wilson. Okay. Damn. That's tough. Um, in my heart, because I, I just feel like Trey Lance has to be included in that. Because I feel like that's the guy that they want. Right. And I would, and, you and want I, you want Justin Fields, but you feel like the 49ers want Trey Lance. I feel like they want Trey Lance. And I would say Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson. And it's tough for me to look at like Fields on the outside looking in, but like we're just saying if we're just limited to three, that I feel like Kyle, like that's what he wants. <laughs> I would say Fields is possibly on the outside looking in. That that's just my gut feeling. I would say that if I had to pick those three, I would say their original three were Trevor Lance, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance. And then the two that they could be that could insert them into the conversation themselves into the conversation will be Justin Fields and Mac Jones. So that's I, that, that's what I would say. So this is my thing though, and this is why I have to feel like this is why I feel like I have to include Mac Jones. When Sage Rosenfields went back and watched the film, he was like, Oh yeah, no, this is definitely like one hundred percent a Kyle Shanahan quarterback. Like Kyle Shanahan is gonna love these three things that he does, like well, process quick processes field whatever he said right right so, I, so like if he came away with that right away i feel like kyle shanahan too came away with liking those same things right away and when i watched the film of him again we said it back in october this is the most kyle shanahan quarterback in this class said that in october based and, on what he's had well yeah i mean but just yeah based on what he what i feel like he prioritizes with his quarterbacks. Okay. So you're not you're not solely basing that on the quarterbacks that he's had experience with in the past. You think that that still represents, for the most part, some of his most valued traits. Yeah, even though okay. he has come out and said different things, right? Even though he has come out and said, you know, like he definitely start, He's I think he's seeing football different. Like I think he's seeing the quarterback position differently. Like I strongly believe that. I, I strongly you, you would you would think so based on his experiences over the past roughly you know 16 18 months which I I think mathematically would include the Super Bowl um you would think that he his views on the quarterback position would would be affected by what he's seen you know dealing with Russell Wilson dealing with the Kyler Murrays dealing with uh Pat Mahomes in the Super Bowl getting absolutely ran over by Josh Allen, you would think that those things would alter his thought process. But again, Kyle Shanahan, he's a very obviously intelligent guy that has is a lot of conviction in the ways that he thinks and what he thinks is right and wrong and what he thinks is good and bad and what he thinks he needs. And, you know, he could look at that stuff and say, you know, that's great, but I don't need it. Right. You know, which. And that, 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 yeah, that's wild. <laughs> it, it is. It is. It is. I still think it's wild, and I still have have grown away from the Mac Jones idea. Um, but if if that is the pick, I'm 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 gonna be shocked. I'm gonna be surprised that he would he would trade that amount of draft capital for a quarterback like that. But at the same time, I, I'm gonna know in my head that you know let's give this a couple years and, and let's see what this is because it's on him. I mean, we we can pretend to be invested in the game. But Kyle Shanahan's – there's a decent chance that Kyle Shanahan's reputation, his his outlook on his career with the 49ers, 
his career in general could be in the balance when it comes to this pick. So, cause he's the one making the pick. John Lynch right. is not going to pick for Kyle Shanahan. John Lynch is going to say, look, man, here's the guys. Here's, here's who I like. Here's who the scouting department likes, but this is on you. You know, not in a bad way. I mean, it's his choice. So whoever Kyle picks, you know, you can't, you can judge his thought process 100% always, you know, up against your own opinion. But you have to, you can't be too effusive in praise for Kyle Shanahan and then completely doubt his choice at quarterback. You can do it after it doesn't work out. No, but. You, can, you can doubt it. You can doubt it because of this. You, you can doubt it because he, he didn't look into the 2017 class because he wanted Kirk Cousins that bad. So you can doubt that he'll, like, like st- still kind of keep his blinders on. You know what I'm saying? And maybe well, he would have been... taken Trubisky. Like, maybe he would have, you know what I'm saying? But just the fact that he had these blinders on and is like, I'm gunning for this and not this. And I feel like he can... Like you, you, we, we can feel like that's something that he would do again. I, I'm putting my blinders on and I'm wanting this. Then that's not to say that that's right. What he wants. Cause even if 49ers have Kirk Cousins right now, I think they'd be solid, but I still don't think they'd be like this big time difference making threat team. I think the thing you get is a little bit better than Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe. Right. And he's been healthier. And maybe well, that's good enough I, I to win something, he, but it's not good enough to scare people, especially when you play in the NFC West and you got to go up against Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and Matthew Stafford now. I think that there's some context, though, towards the Kirk Cousins thing. And obviously, in hindsight, passing on the likes of Deshaun Watson and, and Patrick Holmes was not the way to go. But given where that team was at the time, because you got to remember that was 2017, and even the team itself – was not even fully constructed yet. They weren't considered a good team. They weren't a good team. And there was, there weren't, there were definitely people that say the 49ers should take a quarterback 100%. But it was just a team in a different place. And I, I kind of, at the time, I know that I wasn't completely blown away that they didn't take a quarterback just by the way the roster was constructed. So while I do think you have a point in the fact that him, uh, waiting on Kirk Cousins and passing on that kind of talent is kind of like an indictment of his his decision making and maybe his thought process. Uh, I just think that it's framed in a different way. Like now you've got a team that he's built up from the ground up that by all means is a playoff contender minus that quarterback position. But if Jimmy's healthy, they're still a playoff contender. So it's just under a different lens, if that makes sense. Like. I still think, like I've said, that any quarterback the 49ers pick is going to be the most successful of the three, at least for a while. So I don't know. You know what, though? Maybe maybe of the three at that spot. But I'm looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars roster, and there is a scenario where, like, Taylor, Trevor Lawrence is really good. <laughs> like, they, he, they have weapons. Now, I didn't know they have Marvin Jones. So they're looking at, like, they got Shark, Marvin Jones, um, uh, like they got a running back that was like a rookie, went over like a thousand yards. Like he kind of, I think all they're missing is like a tight end, like a pass catching, like a legit pass catching tight end. And like, I- we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think they're going to be – and then you got Urban Meyer. Let's see how he transitions to, like, the NFL and stuff. But I think he's surrounding himself with, with high-level people. There is a chance for Trevor Lawrence hits the ground running too. And, and again, if it looks like like Trevor Lawrence hits the ground running and they're being very successful and you drafted McCorkle over – and he looks kind of like what you would expect him to look like, but it doesn't look like what Trevor Lawrence is doing. And you have Justin Fields. And he's showing these high-level plays, like what it looked like with, when I went. Because that was the thing, right? I saw Deshaun Watson his rookie year tearing it up. Like, if something like that happens, oh, my goodness. Striking Gold is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Is what the 49ers going to do with the third overall pick stressing you out? Or maybe it's something a little more personal. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit BetterHelp.com slash gold, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Special offer for Striking Gold listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash gold. That's BetterHelp.com slash G-O-L-D. That's going to be. I, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, yeah, I, I don't want to. I guess it's come to a point where it's. I automatically assume the quarterback going to the Jaguars is not going to be good. But uh, there, of course, is a world. I just I think that the situation any of these quarterbacks are going to is vastly 
superior than any of these other ones. It's not that they won't work out. I just think that whichever quarterback steps into third overall for a 49ers team that's, that's by all means, like I said, a playoff contender, they're stepping into far and away the best situation. And, but maybe, maybe, I mean, I'm not saying that there's no chance that those other teams become something, but I don't know, man. I just think that there's so much praise about Kyle Shannon, his offense. That doesn't make him a good talent evaluator because those are two entirely different things. But at the same time, there's so many people that talk so highly of Kyle Shanahan and his offense and then doubt the person that he thinks he needs to run it. And and so it's just somewhere in between. It's walking a, a line. I'm not even going to say a fine line because that's just too serious. It, it's walking a line of, of, okay, I think Kyle Shanahan's a great offensive mind. Does that mean that he knows who should run his offense or does – somebody else like a, a GM or a really good scout know better than Kyle Shanahan? Well, I, I could say that it, it can be. It can be challenged because, like, you still handpicked everybody that's on this roster, which is a solid, it's a good roster. But you still handpicked Nick Mullins. You still handpicked <laughs> C.J. Beathard. Like, you know Nick what I'm Mullins like, was still, an undrafted free agent that worked his well, way no, into a roster, though. No, I'm not, I'm not saying that, like, that was, but I'm just saying, like, at the end of the day, like, your record is this way, like, but you still have been in charge of everything. Like, nothing gets approved without the stamp of from Kyle Shanahan. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like we give him too much credit. In yeah, you had of, this conversation with KP today. I wanted to yeah. ask you how that went. What has Kyle Shanahan done? You know what I'm saying? Like, what do we – What do we, like, Like that's my thing. Like, like what has he done to, to where he doesn't need better like everybody else does? What has Kyle Shanahan done to where it's like, no, I don't need better at this position like Andy Reid did when he went from Alex Smith, who was taking him to the playoffs every year, and went from that to Patrick Mahomes where he took a huge swing on. What has what has Kyle Shanahan done to 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 not need that? Like you know what I'm saying? Like that that's where I'm I'm kinda of having issues with that. I think he gets all this credit to where Peter Schrager goes on national television and says well, he doesn't need this and that. He just needs this guy that's a 30, according to DJ uh, Daniel Jeremiah, Mac Jones is the 32nd overall best quarter, uh, best player in this class, 32nd best right. player in this and, class. And that almost seems like a, I don't want to take him out of the top 32 because technically I don't even have a first-round grade on him. Right. So it's like, I don't have a, like, but it's like, but no, Kyle knows more than everybody else. So, no, we're going to we, yeah, take him at three. Like, no, like Kyle has not shown – the ability to do that because, again, he has done well with his roster. Like, he started from ground zero. And I think even in that first year, they were highly competitive. But he ain't won nothing. He hasn't won anything. He hasn't won a Super Bowl. He was up multiple touchdowns against the Patriots. He didn't win that game. He's up uh, multiple scores against Kansas City Chiefs. Didn't win that game. And you can say for whatever reasons and whatnot, but at the end of the day, what has Kyle Shanahan done other than have three losing seasons in four years? Again, I understand that there's context. I know people are going to be listening like, Croc, why are you ripping him? I understand. And I, I feel strongly about the fact that if he was fired tomorrow, he'd have job offers <laughs> for a head coach within a couple of hours. Not right? even so that. I know, yeah, right. I know the way that he's viewed. But the results are the results and where, where it's at. And – I do think that some of the decisions that he makes should be questioned. He chose not to look into guys because he was stuck on Kirk Cousins. 
and did not evaluate Mahomes and Watson. I think that's crazy. So I think he should be questioned some of his decisions. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, I know nothing you said didn't make sense. Like, I think it's all spot on. But I feel like I'm on the other end of the spectrum with it. Like, it, it, you can't just keep saying, I know there's context, and then eliminating it. Like, not wanting to talk about it. Like, a lot of – and, 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 and a lo- so much of it, too, is – is in hindsight, this shit looks horrible. But at the time, nobody was losing their shit because it all seemed like the logical thing to do. So, in, in, but again, everybody's held accountable for what they've done and especially what they've done lately. So to me, you can still hold Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch accountable for not properly evaluating that class. But at the time, and I'm sure, I, I think I remember you being a pretty big Watson guy, but. No, I was a big Mo, I, I, Mahomes. I thought Mahomes I was the, was the like best Watson? quarterback in that class. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, like, I, I liked him. I thought he had, like, the it factor, but I thought Mahomes was the best quarterback in the class. I tweeted that out, guys, so it's not like Heinz. <laughs> well, Mahomes even, is the best quarterback. Like, I was like, he has the highest upside in this class. Like, that's who I would take. They yeah, weren't really it, talking about him, so I'm like, oh, I think he'll be there second round. If he's there second round, like, 49ers need to take him. Like, I wasn't expecting somebody – because that's what the mocks were telling me, right? Well, but I think it, if I would have really watched him, like, I watch quarterbacks now, I'd have been like, dude, why are you talking about this guy being, like, a top five pick? Because I saw what he was doing. I watched some film. I saw what he was doing, and it was right. kind of like crazy. Well, and it, it, to me though, it, it's it's just no. Obviously, there's no huge consequences to any of this talk because we're just talking. Like, who gives a shit? But it's like it's so easy to minimize things you want to minimize and amplify things you want to amplify. You kind of just what we talked about with these quarterbacks to get your message across and it still be valid. You know, like. I have a question. To me, what's that? Was it was it logical? Because you used the word logical, and and I and I get it. I, I get it. But was it logical with with Andy Reid going to divisional round playoffs and stuff with Alex Smith? Was it logical for him to move up seventeen spots to get Patrick Mahomes? Was it uh, logical? Was it the logical thing to do? Yeah, I mean, no, I, I it wasn't. It, no, no I, hey, no, no, no. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, yes, it is, because you're going to let me speak my opinion. Okay, I think ahead. it's logical because if we're sitting here having this conversation about going up and getting a quarterback when Jimmy G's on the roster. Now, Jimmy G's a different animal because he's missed way more games than Alex Smith was for KC. But we've always, and you and I have agreed on this, anytime you can give a rookie a chance to sit and learn the game, and Patrick Mahomes fits that to a bill because he was in a lesser conference. He played a completely different type of offense, and you could obviously tell that Andy Reid incorporated a lot of that. But they did what a lot of teams just wished they could do in drafting a a, a good quarterback and letting him spend the time behind your your guy that's good. And Alex Smith, we know in him, is 100% a locker room guy, you know, like, I'm sure that it obviously wasn't appealing to him, but I the Chiefs just were – would I say that's logical? Absolutely. Teams just don't have the luxury of doing that. And that's why you and I have been, you know, if they can, keep Jimmy G because I don't care who you're drafting. Give, just give him time to chill in the NFL and learn shit and become more comfortable and not have all the chips pushed onto their side. Like, hey, man, here's the keys. Good luck. Like, so – I get what you're saying, but at the same time, I think the Chiefs just ended up 
with the the ultimate luxury of shit. We got Alex Smith. We got him for two more years. Let's draft Patrick Mahomes. The 49ers didn't shame the same shit to Alex Smith in San Francisco. They had Alex Smith and they drafted Colin Kaepernick. Eased him in here and there with some cool plays. But to me, that's just a good GM flexing on everybody. Yeah. Well, the, the reason why I said not logical, because the logical thing when you have this quarterback that's taking you to the playoffs and you're going deep and whatever, like every year, is like, well, let's see if somebody falls to us. I feel like if they would have never traded up, I think people would be like, well, of course, like they didn't move up to pick 10 to get him. Like, I feel like what they did was more so of what we've seen from Andy Reid in recent years going for it. Like, was it logical for Andy Reid, you know, up like three points to the Cleveland Browns in the division around playoffs with Chad Henney at quarterback or whoever he had at quarterback, go for it on fourth and two and throw the ball like with like a minute left. Like that's not the logical thing to do. And I think kind of what he's shown lately is my nuts are bigger than yours. <laughs> I'm going to take these big swings that people think like, you know what? I'm not, how many times did they go for it on fourth down against the 49ers? Like, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's had this kind of aggressive mindset and putting his team in position to potentially win and go big. Like, that's what he's doing. Like, look, I'm going big. And he's doing things that are a little unconventional, but it's coming off as very conventional because it's working, but he's taking big swings. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I just look at, like, Kyle, and they've done some things that's like, you know, all right, we're going to, Ruben Foster. Like, you know, that was kind of risky or whatever, right? Just because yep. of kind of who Ruben Foster was, and they saw the talent there. I need you to take that swing right now. I know. I, I agree with you. I'm just saying that, like, you know, we were we, the original conversation was kind of Kyle Shanahan, and I mean, the th- you mentioned it. If Kyle Shanahan were in some world that doesn't exist, fired by the 49ers, let's even say after this season, he, I mean. Within before he even stepped out of Jed York's office, he would have his phone would be blowing up. Right. Like he's had some shit luck. You go back and watch that Super Bowl against again the one you mentioned with the Falcons against the Patriots. Kyle Shanahan was aggressive, and that's why they lost. And some some incredibly unfortunate, mind-boggling series of events happened in order to to achieve that. You know, like Matt Ryan taking that sack and stuff like that. But the, the play that gets really overlooked is when they picked up those yards on like third down, and they got called for holding, and they brought the play right. back. Yep. A lot of people yep. forget about that. And then the sack, I think, happened the next play. A lot of people kind of forget that play. That was the biggest play. <laughs> that was the big play where they picked up yards. They threw the ball and picked up yards, and like was like a couple yards short, short of a first down, and they were in position to kick a field goal. And, you know, they got called for holding. But, sorry, I just had to kind of throw that in. No, no, no. I mean, it, it, Kyle Shanahan was aggressive in that game. He tried to be aggressive in the 49ers Super Bowl. I mean, there was that one point at the end of the half where everybody wanted him to call a timeout. I mean, I, I really at the time wasn't all that crazy about that. But And, and we saw how Jimmy Garoppolo kind of kept him from being any more aggressive than he was trying to be. You know, and, and that's where – in those situations, not drafting a Mac Jones can just can win you the Super Bowl. You know, like even the, the throw that, that essentially beat the 49ers, that third and 15 throw, like Patrick Mahomes dropped back like 15 yards. 
people were, you know, mad that the pass rush didn't get there. He dropped back like 15 yards and then threw the ball like 60 yards to, uh, you hey. know, obviously a drop coverage. Listen, that's what happens when you have a quarterback that can overcome the X's and O's. Right. That's, when what, that's stuff what I'm hits saying. The fan, when stuff hits the fan and it's, it's a less than ideal situation, do you have a guy that can still make a play for you? And yeah, we yeah, saw that game. Right. 49ers had some weird bounces go their way, you know, where, you know, whether it was an interception or, you know, whatever the case was where they were kind of – 49ers were kind of lucky to kind of be up because of some of the things that happened in that game. And, you know, but you give Mahomes enough chances and somebody that has that type of elite capability, like you, you, what they what he did on that third and 15 was not, was not normal. A quarterback no. dropping back 15 yards and – with big ass Armstead and Buckner and Bosa and all these dudes like br- like breathing down his neck, just flings it up and throws it to like the perfect spot <laughs> where he's got to catch it. Like that stuff's not normal. So and it just happened to be the route combination that that pushed that coverage to the limit, you know. And 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 it was who was it over there that that because he ran like a. But I remember you and I talking about it. There, you know, he did. It was cover three from from the standpoint of how I've been taught to play cover three. Um, it was Emmanuel Mosley. He played it. He played it right. Like you're supposed to read two to right. one. If two goes away, then you can squeeze one. So two went away on the post, um, and one ran like a twenty yard dig, like really at like the sticks. So from that standpoint, you would squeeze one because two went away. But unfortunately, two came back out. Right. And when he got yeah, and that might have been an option, I don't know. But two came back out and I think ideally you would just not you would like your the quarterback not to have that much time. And like you're not supposed to have that much time to be able to do that. That's and, why he, but the quarterback he, bought he that time drop dropping fifteen yeah. Yeah, 'cause yeah, so if, if Crocker just explained it, but Tyreek Hill ran like a a twenty yard post. And any DB is going to assume that once a, a, a Tyreek Hill runs 15 to 20 yards downfield and then breaks, that's the route he's running, you know, yeah. a post. Nobody assumes that you're going to run like a 20-yard post corner. That's just such a massive route. And it it stretched that secondary out to the point where, like Croc said, um, he thought he was breaking on, and it was, it was, he made the right move. It was just a great play call and Patrick Mahomes stupid arm made that work because no quarterback would have that much time to throw that route, but he just kept running backwards and then threw the ball and and he was wide open because of the, and obviously I think it was Jimmy Ward who just couldn't quite get over there quick enough. Well, it was just, uh, it was a crazy play. And from a play calling Kind of like just sheer crazy ass football play. You got to respect it because if you watch the way that play goes down from the secondary's perspective, it's it's not normal. It's not well, normal. You, a lot of people got on Mosley, but he he really didn't. It wasn't really any, anybody that truly understands like two to one reads. Like you'll you'll kind of know like that. That's just kind of what you do. Like you know what I'm saying. Two goes away, you squeeze one. Right. Like, that's a two to one read. So. Right. I get it. People will be like, well, it's cover three, but you have deep third. And it's like, yeah, you have deep third, but typically you don't want your guy just covering grass. So, like, you have to have some, like, coverage rules. But, I mean, that's a different story. Um, you know, I think overall I just look at it like, man, see what some of these guys can do. And the 49ers have the opportunity to get a guy who might not be perfect, but you can coach him up and he can do some special things. D- did you want to take um, some callers? 
Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm glad you said that right now. Okay. Um, Vahe, you are first up, my friend. Hey, like normal, just have your, your question, your comment ready to roll. That way we can roll through this. But Vahe is first up. He is officially on stage. What you got, Vahe? Hey, what's up, guys? Um, I'm honestly going to miss talking about this daily. I know, <laughs> I know it doesn't feel like it right now, but I'm just going to cherish these moments because it doesn't happen often. True. So, yeah, I'm for sure going to miss It's like it's a week away, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to miss it, man, for sure. Um, yeah, so for um, Mac Jones, yeah, I, I don't I don't think – I mean, we don't think that he could carry a team, right? He needs talent around him. Um, so we're not going to have our first-round picks for the next two years, so we're going to be losing some talent. So I don't see how – if we're looking into the future, how we're going to select Mac Jones – because he needs talent around him to succeed. So that's one of the reasons why I don't think we're going to get Mac Jones. So that points me to Lance and Fields. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, I don't necessarily – obviously we got to see how the salary cap goes, but I don't necessarily think that the two first-round picks they gave up to move up, really it doesn't like necessarily deplete the roster of talent because it's already a talented roster the only problem you run into though is is the the the, the players that are inevitably going to have to leave are not being replaced by first round you know at least for those couple of years and not being replaced by third round or first rounders but when you land a guy like Fred Warner and George Kittle in the third and the fifth you could sometimes pull stuff off so i get what you're saying yeah, that's- yeah, that's true. That's true. But I, I just see Lance and Fields more of a more players that who um, who could carry the team more. And Kyle even said that he didn't make this move just for one year. So I, 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 I won't believe Mac Jones until I see it with my eyes. So yeah. Same here, dude. Yeah. Same here. All right, yeah, buddy. Man. Appreciate you, man. All right, thank you, guys. Yep. Yeah, that's. I know Crocker feels the same. Like. Yeah, I'll, I'll believe it when I hear it, and when I hear it, I'm not going to believe it. All right, Will, you are on stage, my friend. What do you got, brother? How you guys doing? Good, good. man. How are you? Um, so feels good. <laughs> Sorry, I've been watching uh, Kit uh, Henry Danger, and he always like feels good. Sorry, guys. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, okay. <laughs> that was disturbing, but um, I had a a comment and a question. Uh, mostly around John Beck, who's now like the Lee Harvey Oswald of this whole conversation. <laughs> um, so the comment being like with with Rob, your comment about, um, you know, Kyle maybe wanting a quarterback that sees the field or sees football the way he does. Um, looking at John Beck's like involvement with like all these different quarterbacks that could be part of the conversation. I, you know, maybe that is why Beck was involved and why the Niners wanted Beck to work with these quarterbacks so that he could be out there and, like, kind of run them through, like, you know, what Kyle Shanahan and the Niners like. And that being said, looking at that and seeing, you know, how they were able to process that on the field in their workouts. Um, yeah. Maybe that's, like, super obvious. But, um, when Rob, when you said that, that's kind of, like, what, what came to my mind. Um, but, like, regarding Beck and, like, you know, training athletes for, for – uh, for, for, you know, high-pressure performances, like training, like uh, pro days and things like that. Um, this is also kind of like a question for, like, Crocker in terms of, like, training athletes for these things. Is um is John Beck under, like, some type of pressure to, like, you know, necessarily train these guys and get them pre- as prepared as possible? But since he's involved in, like, this very unique process where 
he's working with two guys that could go in a very high pressure spot at number three to the Niners. Is he under pressure to like train them as best he can, but also not necessarily give recommendations to Kyle because that's a conflict of interest between all of his clients, basically. And, you know, Croc, if you were in that position and say a team were at like the top five teams had to take like a defensive back and you train like every possible candidate for that, would you be under pressure to not give your honest assessment of those candidates uh, among each other? No, you you 100% give an honest assessment. Um, I've been in that situation where, you know, I coach several kids, several defensive backs. But if one of my buddies that, you know, is, you know, recruiting at a university, they call me and ask me, like, hey, what do you have or what about this kid? Like, you have to be as honest as possible because your credibility is on the line. So if you're John Beck, at the end of the day, like, this is what you do. You train guys and work with them to get better. And you're going to see that some guys are getting better at different levels. Now, that conversation can or can not, you know, have to be, like, exposed. Like, I, I don't think it's something where you're just like, well, I have to tell Trey Lance that I said this about him. But I'm pretty sure Trey Lance knows where he's at, you know, as far as, like, where they're at with his, you know, development as a passer or whatever. Like, he understands what his weaknesses are, like, anybody that's realistic with themselves. So I think the same conversations that he's having with Trey Lance about what he needs to improve on, and I'm saying Trey Lance is just using him as an example, but the same conversation he's having with any of the quarterbacks he's working with, that's the same conversation he's going to have with Kyle Shanahan about those guys. So I think as long as you're open and you're honest about what guys need to improve on, I, I think that's, you know, that's the best way to go about it. Maybe you guys are going to get drafted. Like Trey Lance is going to get drafted. So, you know, and he's probably most likely going to go top 10. Same with uh, Justin Fields or anybody else that this guy's working with. People are realistic about where they're going to go. And even with whatever he says, you know, I think it could it could possibly help. But Kyle Shanahan is going to make his mind up on the guy regardless, you know. Like, it's not going to be because, well, Beck said this, so now let me change my mind. Like, I, I still think Kyle is going to like who he likes, and he's going to go with that more so than anything else. Right, and he did say on the – I think it was 95.7 the game. Uh, he did say that, like – Choosing between the guys he's trained is tough. Like if, because the radio host asked him, you know, if you had to pick between Justin Fields and Trey Lance, who would you pick? And he's like, I can't really do that. Like that's like saying which one of my kids is my favorite or I love more. And he said, but but with that said, I'm still going to be 100% honest with these teams. And that conversation may not include who would I take between the two, but he has to give them a very honest and clear assessment of who they are because, like Croc said, that is his business. That is his value in this situation. And if he can't do that, there's no point in them, uh, in you know, in him doing that. I know Ayla said that John Beck worked with Kyle Trask. He doesn't this. He does this every year. It's not all specific to us. That's true. But at the same time, you're talking about a guy who has a relationship with Kyle Shanahan, who uh, was was asked to train Trey Lance after. Uh, the 49ers made the pick up to three when they realized they could be within, yeah. you know, a that shot to get specific, him. That's specific to us. For sure. Right. And that part was very specific by the Niners. And just like I said, given their prior relationship, uh, a lot of the stuff is very specific to the Niners because he's had so much intimate knowledge with so many of the prospects the 49ers are going to pick right there. So let's keep it going. Next up, we've got Chris Jones. Chris Jones, 
you are on stage. Can you hear me? Yeah, can you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Um, I just had a, a quick question. Uh, a lot of the talk this offseason well, around these quarterbacks has been that uh, Trey Lance has the most upside. And I was just wondering, like, how much more is, like, how much more greater his upside is compared to somebody like Fields? I don't I That's don't a think. good question, man. <laughs> I, I hear that, too, and I think that's one of those kind of cliche things that people just kind of, like, somebody said it and it's just kind of caught up, caught on. I think maybe if, if I'm just kind of think through their eyes on why they would say that, it would be because with, with, with Trey Lance, it's a little unknown because he, there is, you know, the sample size is kind of smaller. He played at a smaller school, but he has all this big time, you know, potential, you know, and, you know, I, I think it's just, I think instead of it, people kind of referencing it as he has like the most upside, I think his upside is just unknown as opposed to some of these other people or uh, prospects. I think that's more what they're trying to say, but they're just not saying it that way. Yeah, I oh. wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Because a lot of the things I like about Trey Lance, I like about Justin Fields. And I feel like if one team greatly favors the other, there has to be some element of of what we don't see that's in play. Because I have read so many things about Trey Lance's, like, above and beyond both intelligence and drive to be what he wants to be. You know, we talked about it a little earlier with the, the seeking out constant criticism and trying to improve and just doing things that most 19- and 20-year-olds don't do at his age or even 18- and 19-year-olds don't do. So, and again, I, I'm not in on Trey Lance, Trey Lance interviews. I'm not in on Justin Fields interviews. I don't know either of them. I can't say that with any certainty. But to me, if 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 I'm looking at these two guys and they both seem to offer me pretty close to the same ballpark of – of you know upside, then there may be something at play with their personalities and off the field that some that just vibes with the team that they absolutely love. And if if they love that, no one can really tell them they're wrong when it comes to that kind of stuff. So that's just my take on it. Great, yeah, because I I just think like outside of the uh, the strength of the competition Fields went up against, they do have a lot of similarities. Um, I just think that sometimes. Um, it's more due to Lance's age that people talk about the upside. And if, like, I don't know, if Fields, Fields seems like he might be a little bit more prepared to start now, and, like, do you want to wait around, like, banking on someone's upside? Or, like, are you would you be comfortable with, with Fields, you know? So I, I was just curious about that. Thank you, guys. Yeah, no man, problem. thank you, Chris. Hey. I appreciate you. Good question. And real quick, to answer kind of, like, the last part of his question, I think – like the upside thing is because like, you know, when you look at, you know, guys like Josh Allen and kind of the process of that, you know, again, and I think people kind of miss out on this part of it, but Josh Allen did go to the playoffs in his second year. You know, was he what he is today? No, but he did take his team to the, to the playoffs. So from that standpoint, even with a guy like Trey Lance, yeah. And, and again, I don't want to fully compare because their experience is a little different. But just in the sense of how Josh Allen was viewed and where he is now, I think people see some kind of similarities between Lance and Josh Allen. Now, the big difference is I think, like, you know, if you're just nitpicking, Josh Allen just has a far more superior – I don't want to say far more superior arm, but his arm is just, like, ridiculously crazy. 
um, as opposed to Trey Lance, which is really good. But um, I would say, like, you know, as far as, like, the, the progression of them, you know, Josh Allen was in the playoffs year two. And that was with Buffalo that didn't have as much talent as the 49ers have right now. Yeah, and, I, and and another thing I think that commonly kind of gets misconstrued is I think I would be – I think oh, I'm going to rephrase that. I think Kyle Shanahan could get success out of Mac Jones, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance as rookies starting them right away. I think Kyle Shanahan will be able to get success out of all three of them. Do I think that it's the best business to start – all of the three in their first year, whichever it ends up being. Not necessarily if you somehow find yourself with the, with the luxury of, of of letting them wait, then that's – I think that's always a good thing. Sometimes it just isn't possible. But I think that Kyle Shanahan would be able to get success out of all three quarterbacks as rookies. Right. There's There, there may be some bumps, but I, I feel like – I think if he's picking his guy at three – even if he starts as a rookie, he's going to be able to get some good shit out of him. Right. I, you know, I believe. So while I do think that the, the developmental timeline may be different for all three of them, I feel like I'm, I'm not scared to, to start one of them week one of their rookie year. That's, but the, to me, when you get into that, a lot of that is on Kyle. You know, like how, how, how much, how above and beyond are you going to go to prepare this guy? How much are you going to tailor your offense to what he can do now? and, you know, put your player in a position to succeed. All right, we got Ryan is next up. Ryan, you are on stage. We should be able to hear you, bro. What's up, guys? What's up, man? So, um, my question is that if you guys remember after Fields beat um, Clemson and, like, he lit them up, there was a legit discussion, like, should you go number one? And then, like, after after the college football season ended and some time ended, it became, like, the consensus that, Zach Wilson's number two. Why did that happen? Well, Crocker can speak on that well because Crocker has been into Wilson well into the season. So, you know. Yeah, well, well my thing is I've, I've been one that has said that there should be some sort of a discussion between Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. I do feel like there should be, like, just between those two, not even counting Zach Wilson, like, just those two, I think there should be some type of discussion as to, like, hmm, what do I like more about Trevor Lawrence? What do I like more about Justin Fields? Trevor Lawrence gets doesn't get questioned at all. And I don't think his play and his ability and capabilities are just better than Justin Fields. And I tweeted that out the night before they played saying, I thought that Justin Fields was the most talented quarterback in this class. And I got a lot of pushback from people. And then you see go out and see him have that type of performance. We can kind of see both of them head to head and some of the capabilities, and what I would challenge people to say is, is Trevor Lawrence more accurate? No. Does Trevor Lawrence have a bigger arm? No. Is Trevor Lawrence more athletic? No. Can Trevor Lawrence make uh, throws that Justin Fields can't? No. So it's like, well, where is he, like, just flat out better to this standpoint to where there's absolutely no doubt about it, no questions asked, no nothing. And that's the part where I have a hard time with. Now, um, as far as um, Zach Wilson, I, I don't, I don't know when it when it happened, and even with me, it's kind of hard to just. I, I would okay, I know when it happened. The Indiana game, even though Fields still had like 400 yards and three touchdowns, but he had three interceptions. And the Northwestern game because they weren't great, and I think it just showed like, oh, like 
he's not Superman. Like, he has some flaws. And I think people kind of look at those games and it's like, well, Zach Wilson, when he had his bad games, like, we didn't really see them, right? Like, the worst game he had this year was against Coastal Carolina. And I think there's just more to nitpick with with Justin Fields, or at least that's what they're doing. But to me, it is kind of ridiculous that there's not the questions at all between Lawrence and Fields and that people just automatically, it's like there's no doubt about it, Zach Wilson, he's just better. And that's from the front offices too, right? Like we've seen those kind of little questionnaire things or whatever when they ask like the execs and stuff like that. And when with their answers, Zach Wilson was clearly the second best quarterback in this class. And I, I just, I don't understand that part. Yeah. No, it's been a it's been a weird ride and so much of so much of the evaluation process has gotten into areas that I just like don't really appreciate. And you know what I'm talking about with like it's what seems like an uneven level of scrutiny. You know, and I made a joke on Twitter about how the only reason Trevor Lawrence isn't getting any heat is because he looks like Jesus Christ and an avatar had offspring. And he's just like this alien, alien Christ walking around on earth and, you know, all six foot four of them. So he's, it's, I think everybody knows that, you know, there's, there's part of it. It's tough to prove, but there are very obvious reasons as to why some of these quarterbacks get critiqued more than others. And we've seen it consistently. Uh, It just gets a little old after a while. And, and And especially when, when a lot of it, the, when guys get called out, they're like, oh, well, I mean, I'm just telling you what I heard. And it's like, bitch, how many things do you hear throughout the season that you don't tell everybody? And you're probably <laughs> not telling people because you can't verify it. You can't. That's like my rant all that time ago about all the sources shit. Like people will hear shit all the time and not regurgitate it because they can't confirm it. They can't talk to other people about it and make sure it's true. So you don't just regurgitate everything you hear. And so that right. when someone regurgitates something they hear about, say, Justin Fields, and then when they get called out about it, they're like, oh, well, that's what I'm hearing. And I'm like, that's not how any of this works, and it's never been how any of this works. So it's like, why are you fucking doing that now? <laughs> like, it, it, right. Was it because this, you you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to get too into it. it yeah, and I try not to, like, I try not to, like, push push that. But, yeah, like, yeah, that you're right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you're right. And to me, it if it doesn't make sense to other people, but we've been, like, kind of conditioned throughout this entire process this year that this guy is just, you know, everybody's just, you know, or there's got to be something wrong with Justin Fields. And it's like, no, nah, I mean, like, dude's a terrific player. And they've been like, trying what to, if like, nitpick and wrong with, Yeah. What, what if there's nothing wrong with, with – I mean, I don't say I – don't, we don't mean nothing wrong. But it's just, like, it's weird that people, like, can't accept the fact that maybe Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and we'll include Zach Wilson are all hella tight. They're all really good. And, and you can, you know, maybe teams have them in some crazy combination of one, two, three – and, 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 you know, you don't have to find something wrong, especially reach for something wrong with any of them. Right. You know what I mean? Like Sometimes it's just so obviously a reach and you're like, just you just instantly lose respect. And, and it's just, it's just annoying. Everybody, y'all know what we're talking about. All right, let's yeah. move on. Leonard, you are on stage, my friend. Hopefully we can hear you. Can you hear us? Yo, can you hear me? Yeah, man, we got you. So I'm thinking like, when you guys are talking about um, the five QBs that they like, or whatever they said, they like three, 
and then there's two others that they might get there with, right? They, I'm like thinking, like I remember reading something about from like Schefter what he said, which was like Shanahan liked Josh Allen like a year before he came out, mm-hmm. right. right? And I'm like, all right, this is the same guy that just lost Super Bowl and then looked at Tom Brady like in the next month, right? Yep. What's the chance that he already looked at Fields, Lawrence, and Lance, who had played in 2019 and played well, right? Like Jones and Jones and Wilson were like slightly on the radar, but they weren't what they were now, right? And, like, those are the three that he's comfortable with. And then Wilson and Jones are the two that they have to still get there with. And then I also thought, like, I remember reading a report that they sent Peters to go watch Wilson and Jones. So it's like, is that, like, too, like, easy to guess? Like, they would just like the the ones that they've seen earliest? Or, like... (laughs) no. No, I think everything you just said there makes makes sense. It could very well be the way they played out. I mean, they'd already seen a lot of the first three you mentioned, and they were and ready like, to I call them. Yeah, yeah, and I can't imagine like Kyle was sitting there at home like during COVID, and he's like just not taking a look at the at the quarterbacks that he might get a chance <laughs> at, right? Like he was definitely looking there. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I dude, I it, obviously we don't know, so I can't like say no, you know, shut up, <laughs> but it. It makes sense the way you play it out like that, you know, because both Zach Wilson and Mac Jones, they came on this year and just kind of in the same way Joe Burrow did when he when he came on. Um, but they'd already seen plenty of Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. So, you know, I can see it playing out like that. Yeah. And then also, this is like a tiny thing before I get out. Trey Lance just followed Debo Samuel on IG. Oh. <laughs> there it is. Watch for that. <laughs> hey, well, when uh, he was full of Zeus or something like that, so okay. I mean, they're obviously they're, they're NFL players. I'm sure a lot of college players follow them. But hey, I mean, if that ends up coming around, we, you can say that you can drop the uh, you heard it here first. Yes, sir. You know what <laughs> I mean? So all right, big fan. All right, Leonard, appreciate you, man. Thanks for jumping on. All right. Last one, we've got Prada Prada. Hey, you're on stage, man. Can you hear us? Can we hear you? Yes, sir. How y'all doing today? I'm oh, good, man. How are you? Doing great. I just got two questions. I want to know, since it's only seven days away, what is your comp for Mac Jones and what is your comp for Justin Fields? Because I feel like Justin Fields is is like a combination of a couple quarterbacks. And it's not really one quarterback that you could just pinpoint to. So I, I, wanted, I wanted to get your opinion on that. And I wanted to ask the tough question, if Kyle takes Mac Jones, is that the nail in the coffin if it don't work? Between the, polit- between the politics we know that happens with business, Jed York has to run it, fan base not being happy, all of that to take into account. Is that the nail in the coffin for him? just with the 49ers? I think it would be the nail in the coffin if any of, if he gets it wrong with any of them, right? Like, even if he takes somebody that we like, but it just does not work out, I think even that would be kind of nail in the coffin because now you're talking about, especially if it just completely doesn't work out and maybe Garoppolo's not on the roster, so you have to play a rookie and he just doesn't look good. And now you're talking about four losing seasons in five years. And, again, we'll be adding context to it. Well, he started a rookie the whole time, but at the end of the day, 
like, you know, his time would be kind of taken down. So that's just kind of my thought process on, on that part of your question that you asked. What, what, what about you, Rob? Uh, I, it's tough because, like I said, I, I feel like even if the 49ers miss on this quarterback, which is obviously a big miss that has some pretty big implications, you know, is that one? Is that going to be the reason you file, fire Kyle Shanahan? Because I still think it, it's an indictment, and I'm not saying it's not a big deal, but it, is that why you're going to file Kyle, fire Kyle Shanahan? Because I feel like he's going to get pricked up pretty damn quick. Because it, 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 you know, that's an indictment of his of his player evaluation skills, which he has chosen to take on. But he's still one hell of a head coach on the field, so it's tough. I'm not ready to call it the nail in the coffin, but it very well could be. It very well could be. So the other part of the question was, are pro comps for Mac Jones and Justin Fields? I don't know. What do you think, Croc? You thought about it. Um, Justin Fields, the first person that really kind of comes in my mind is Dak Prescott. Like, just, you know, the kind of guy, like, because really I know we we look at Fields and – you know, we talk about, you know, the the four four speed and stuff like that. And I think I think he's like a a top five version of you know, a top five prospect version of Dak Prescott. But just in the sense of like kind of what Dak Prescott is and what Dak Prescott isn't. Um, I think that they're fairly similar. From the athleticism standpoint, like on paper he's more athletic, but I think in person or watching film, he doesn't take off much and I think even when he takes off it's like yeah he can run and he's definitely like not slow at all but it's like it's comparable to like Dak Prescott I think the arm strength thing I think just the deep ball looks better especially you know at the college football level but for the most part it's it's similar and I think just their the way or lack of kind of I don't want to say like you can't process things but just the kind of way it looks kind of see things open a little bit um I think like that's probably like the best comp for what it is. Obviously, like, you can just nitpick and say, well, he has a deep ball like Deshaun Watson, but, you know, you can kind of take things. But I think overall, if I was to sum it all up, I'd say he looks a lot like Dak Prescott, which if Dak Prescott was on the 49ers roster right now, I would I would be really happy about that. He's a <laughs> football player. You know what I'm saying? So I, I would kind of look at it from from, from from that standpoint. And then who was the other one? Mac, Mac Jones? Yeah. Um, You know, I mean, we've said it a lot, but, uh, you know, I would say – Kirk Cousins, you know, Jared Goff. You know, I think he's that type of guy, which Jared Goff, I mean, I, I'm going to say, like, not last year, but the year before that, he led the league in passing yards. Um, so, obviously, like, you know, he can, you know, throw the ball around. Um, he can fit well in the system and play well. I think you're always going to be missing that thing, and that's why, if, you know, ultimately he was traded away by, you know, L.A. But, yeah, I think with, with Goff, Golf, you know, this is the one thing about golf that people kind of overlook a little bit. I think since like the last, since since he got there, since McVay got there, nobody has more wins than Jared Goff. It's something like that, like crazy. Like nobody's won more games. So I think from that standpoint, and how I view Mac Jones, where it's like, yeah, like 49ers will win with Mac Jones. What's the upside of it though, right? I think you'll kind of end up getting caught in that position where it's like, damn, I hate that I had to pay this dude 150 million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's kind of that type of guy that will play well, start a lot of games, win games, but you're always going to be watching him wishing that he could give you a little bit more. Yeah, I'm going to – I mean, for the most part, Croc hit those comps pretty much on the head. I, I mean, they probably would have been the guys I said. If I have to give a comp for Mac Jones, I mean, 
I'm just looking at all the quarterbacks. It's really tough. What that's what's kind of crazy about it. It's really tough to find a comp for him because most of the successful quarterbacks in the NFL now, except for the ones that either just retired or about to retire, and Tom Brady and Drew Brees, they're just not like that, you know. And and that's not necessarily mean that Mac Jones is going to suck, but I mean, you could go a, a slightly weaker Matt Ryan. You know, he doesn't have the arm strength that Matt Ryan does. Uh, but he's about the same when it comes to athleticism. I would, I mean, maybe Matt Ryan's a little more athletic. Maybe I when don't he know. Was, like when he was coming out, like right. it, was, it was similar. It was similar, but yeah, yeah. More I, I think if Mac Jones had the ceiling, I mean, if Mac Jones became the next Matt Ryan, then that would be like his ceiling. Like, goddamn, like good for this guy. You know, he's he's hella good. So, and, and, you know, I say that knowing that Kyle Shanahan orchestrated one of the best NFL offenses we've ever seen with a Matt Ryan. He also had Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman and Julio Jones. Uh, so not exactly a, a straight one-to-one. Um, and if for Justin Fields, I mean, Dak Prescott's probably as good as you're going to get. Uh, I, you could go with a, you know, a slightly smaller Cam Newton or, I, I mean, I, I go Deshaun no, Watson. But he's I, way accurate. He's way, he's accurate. Like he's extremely accurate and efficient. Right. Like Cam Newton. I, which, not. which is like why I don't like, he seems more accurate than like Deshaun Watson, but not quite as electric. You know, it's just, it's tough because these guys are unique. They're not. You know, these are the this is the new wave of guys coming out, and it's going to be harder to find pro comparisons for these guys. I mean, if you made me give one for Zach Wilson, I'd say like maybe Aaron Rodgers. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as him, but he makes some of those weird ass angle throws and runs around like he plays with that flair. Yeah, he yeah, plays with that you know, same type of flair. We're not when we give these pro comps. We're not. Yeah, I like Dalton. I like the I like Dalton too. Um, it, it's just not for. Not for fields, but it's just you know it, it's tough. Like because like I said, this is a new wave, and you're you're getting quarterbacks that are far exceeding the abilities of starting NFL quarterbacks. Will they pan out? Will they have what they need upstairs to really endure the 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 hard you know the hard parts of this game? And and you know do they have the drive to push that far? We'll see. But some of these guys are like. They're just a new wave, and there are not a lot of guys like them. That doesn't mean they're going to work out, but, you know, we're starting to see some pretty freaky quarterbacks comes out. Like like Pat Mahomes, like who the hell is his pro comparison? Like, I don't it was know. Aaron Rodgers for me. Like, like, right. like, like Michael Vick? Like, no, Michael Vick's way faster. So yeah. it was, Michael Vick had say, that crazy-ass arm too. I want to say it was like watching him. It's like Brett I was Favre. fresh off of – yeah, I was fresh off yeah, of watching – Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. But I was fresh off of watching Aaron Rodgers in that playoff run against, like, the the Dallas Cowboys and some of the throws he was making. And then when you watch Mahomes at Texas Tech, it looked like that. Like, it looked if, – if you guys haven't watched it, and I know, like, a lot of people haven't, go back and just watch some, like, YouTube games of, you know, just type in, like, Patrick Mahomes verse. Like, you know, Patrick Mahomes – excuse me, Patrick Mahomes Texas Tech verse. And just watch some of the games. And you'll see, like, he played with this certain, like, flair and stuff. And actually, like, the same way he plays now in the NFL, he was playing like that in college. You know, and it was one of those things where I was looking like, uh, 
Well, a team might not want him to play like, you know, this kind of loose and off script a little bit. Maybe they want to tone it down a little bit. He'll have to sit somewhere. And he's sad, but he still does the same stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. He still plays the exact same as he did in college. As long, right. so, as long as Justin Fields, once we draft him, takes that spin move out of his repertoire, is too slow and too hot. <laughs> he's by Bobby yeah. I could just yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Needs, oh, he, needs to, he needs to let that go. <laughs> yeah, man, turning your back even for that amount of seconds to a to a defense is is uh that's scary. But hey, man, Prada Prada, I know what your real name is, brother, but I appreciate you, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for jumping on here. Thank y'all. All right. Okay, so when when we clicked Prada Prada's name, he was the last speaker, and I'm not sure if we've got more right now. I don't even want to check because I don't want to be a jerk. But we've been on here for two hours and eight minutes. So yeah. I'm going to do me and Croc a favor. Um, we're going to call it there. Uh, there is a chance that this episode will be split into two for the podcast. So if you're, if, you know, if you're listening to the, to the locker room right now, um, usually when they do the part ones and part twos, it's, it's like part ones at 8 a.m., part twos at like noon. So it's, it's not a huge wait. So there's a chance that they're going to do that. But oh, Ayla's in here saying me. All right, Ayla's the only one in there. Okay, Ayla is the absolute last speaker. <laughs> <laughs> if if I would have clicked on that and there were like three or four people, I would have said no, I can't do it. But you were the only one in there, so that's right. I, I'm a sucker. So what up, Ayla? What's up? What's up? It's, it's been a while. I've been trying to get on here for a minute, so I I apologize. But um. I, I guess my thing is everyone's talking about, oh, this situation is, is so much like Kansas City and it's so much like Mahomes and Alex Smith. Like, I don't think this situation is the same at all um, because, like Croc said, KC jumped from 27 to 10 on draft night. Um, we have been looking to trade up, you know, into the top six for, like, weeks into free agency. So I think this is, like, a little bit more pre-calculated, pre-planned. Um, sure. I think is you know, KC was kind of <clears throat> an aggressive move. It was, you know, in our situation, we actually want to go through the process to assess these, these quarterbacks. Um, and I think that's what the, the thought process that Jimmy is not going to be healthy and everyone's going to say, Oh, or he's just going to sit behind Jimmy and he'll be ready in season two. Like, I don't think the Niners expect Jimmy to play 17 games. So with that said, that doesn't alarm people with Trey Lance and his inexperience to actually come in and play? Or do you think that um, any of the QB's ability to play this season, you know, impacts their decision on, you know, who they want to draft so early? <laughs> I would say that it's yes, tough to – <laughs> Yeah, no, I would say it's tough to, to – like make that decision based on who could play this year because it's like, man, like we, we got to look at the big picture, right? Because Kyle Shanahan, he's going to be here past this year, you know? Right. So, you know, I, I would look at it like, you know, you got to, you have to look at like who can be the best long-term. Like, and even if it's not the best this year, who, you know, with a season under his belt, maybe sitting behind Garoppolo, like how good would this guy be next year? And I think that's how like I would look at it and kind of go through the process. Like, who who just, in general, and, and if I'm envisioning this team in three years and they've been under and, and, and they've been able to kind of play and, and take their ups and their downs, who's going to be the best in three years? And that's the guy I would want. 
that's that's it's, it's the same way for me. Like I'm going into this, I'm establishing what my ideal ideal scenario is. Is my ideal scenario drafting this guy at three, keeping Jimmy on the roster, obviously pending a, a crazy good offer. And when that guy comes in, he comes in. If Jimmy plays well, obviously it's next season. If Jimmy gets hurt, he comes in in replacement of Jimmy. If Jimmy starts sucking, he comes in in replacements of Jimmy. But whatever your ideal situation is, you know, if that's obviously Jimmy Garoppolo winning winning games and you don't have to rush your rookie out there, then that's great. But I, I'm fully prepared for all of them. And I think that none of these guys – I'm not afraid of any of these guys stepping in and playing. You know, if they if they take some lumps, then they take some lumps. But if they play, they play. You know, I don't know how long they're going to hang on to Jimmy. I don't know what offers they're going to get for him. That's probably their ideal is to let him play and let your rookie develop. But I don't think I'm I'm at a point with any of them. Everybody keeps saying that Mac Jones is the safest pick, and he started the exact same games as Trey Lance. Right. So you know, I'm I'm not worried about any of them. Not to say the results would be like amazing. Because, you know, that's – and that would be unfair to expect a rookie quarterback to be amazing. But I'm still I'm still throwing him out there if I have to. Yeah, that, that like kind of brings about, like, my, my kind of second question with that. Then does the team expectation change? Because we signed a lot of players back on all these one-year deals, you know, with the hopes that, you know, it's, it's Super Bowl or bust kind of mentality. So – if we're acknowledging that, hey, we can start a rookie midseason and he might not be ready, then is our expectation expectation changing now from Super Bowl bust to, hey, let's just hope we get 500. Actually, there is no 500 this season, but. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, you I get don't, the point. But. Yeah, I, I don't even look at it like, like, oh, Super Bowl or bust. I think every year you put a team together to try to be, like, as successful as possible. And, you know, this year is one-year contracts and whatnot, and next year is going to be something else. Like, where now it's like, well, we're on rookie contract. Now let's really go in on free agency and, you know, add some really good, you know, uh, talent to the roster. So, uh, yeah, I, I even, yeah, I look at that like, like it, yeah, this year, one-year, you know, guys on one-year contract next year, maybe you go big spending in free agency and you're still both times putting together a very – competitive roster um, to attempt to win it all. So I think every year, I don't think the goal changes, especially not for this coaching staff. I appreciate right, that. Thank you guys for <laughs> letting me sneak in there. Hey, you're welcome. Hey, oh, a minute left, fourth quarter. It's, it's an important time in the pod. <laughs> you feel me, Hail Mary? <laughs> all day. All right, Ayla. All right, thanks, guys. We'll see you. See you. All right. Y'all already know what it is. Two hours and 15 minutes later on a weeknight. But y'all need to know, I got one more story to tell you because I'm going to end this on a high note. I coached the uh, JV baseball team for my middle school. I've been coaching baseball for about six years, and I had my first collision at home plate today. We were on offense. We, you know, we were hitting. Um, one of my One of my top hitters got around the bases, was coming into home. The catcher got the ball. Stood up to tag him right in front of the plate, and my catcher met him at the met him at the line and plowed into him. And the catcher flew. And he tagged him. The catcher flew back. My guy fell forward, landed on the plate. The catcher flew back. Dust went everywhere, and you see the catcher's glove kind of fly flip backwards, and he dropped the ball. And he and and so we we got the run. It was something like straight out of a movie. 
It was so fucking cool. And what's funny is when the catcher first made the tag, uh, their dugout came running out because they hit each other and it was cool. Their dugout came running out like, oh, that was badass. And then the ball comes rolling out and the, the ref called him safe. And then all of my dugout came running out. And they were like, yeah, and, and it wasn't even the end of the game. And they like carried him into the into the dugout. It was so it was so cool. That was just a it was a cool moment that I had to share with y'all because it's stuff like that that just makes me love coaching these kids. And and it was cool to see them so happy and pumped up. And we ended up winning the game eight to two. So um, it was just a good time that I that I would have been would have been I would have regretted if I not share with you. But so we're ending it on that positive note. Croc, you got any last words? Nah, man. Uh, one week away. One week. Hey, yeah. And yeah, ending on that. One week, guys. One week. Seven days. Seven days. In fact, it's 9:22 p.m. in the West Coast, so it's even less than seven days at this point. The uh, the first round would already be over. So I appreciate y'all. I appreciate everybody for hanging out this long in the locker room. That's way too cool, y'all. I appreciate everybody who's going to be spending this long listening to the pod. It, it, it hey means the world to us. And uh, we wouldn't be able to do it without y'all. So you know what it is. This is Striking Gold. I'm Rob. That's Croc. And we are signing out. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.